Get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass, and it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Joe, where were you sitting whenever you were filling in? You were one of the who. Right there. Well, were you? Were you sitting in my seat? Your seat. Okay. This this seat is uncomfortably warm. Oh that, no, I was not using that seat. You were not using. It? Oh, that's, that's right. right. We slid it. it over. This yeah. seat cool. is uncomfortably warm. It is way too warm. Well, Cody lights. Cody or Cody tight is, is a little uh, still a little bit of a, uh, a cuddle bear. Bad vibes. Bad vibes with how warm this chair is. What, we, what should we lead the show with today? The Astros winning yesterday. The Michael Brantley's back in the lineup tonight. I think Joe's in the lineup tonight as a bat boy too. He's yeah. got he's got the road colors on. He's got the. I mean, if he those are gray shorts. If those were gray pants, I mean, he might be able to shag some flies come, and chase some foul balls. How come you're giving Joe some grief? I don't know. He's in full uniform. I mean, there's times whenever you wear full things. That, I don't wear full uniform. I don't wear jerseys. He's, he's, wearing, a, he's wearing a jersey top. You said you own a bunch of jerseys, though. I've had them for a long time. Yeah, but they're all like in storage. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with what Joe's wearing. He just he's wearing a jersey. He's wearing some nice khakis. Like, yeah, you know. It's the attire of, I think, a producer. Shorts. Yeah, the golf shorts. Okay, Joe, Joey Batch. Joe I can mean, tee I, it up I, wait, right now. Otherwise, you know, we, we can poke fun or something like that, but if we're going to go defend Joe, that's fine. I just don't know how he's wearing He's a bat boy. Like, I don't know. What do you want me to put him in, right? Did I, he? I mean, I don't, what position are you playing tonight, Joe? He's just wearing a jersey. I mean, I'm like Jose Altuve, definitely second base. for the smallest <laughs> guy in the player. Okay. Did, did I miss something that Joe did to you? That- you, can, you can squeeze out a, a couple of at-bats. I'm not going to hit anything. No, like I'm five foot six. Like maybe like they'll just miss the strike zone. You're not going for the cycle every time. No, no, no. not yet. Maybe in the wiffle ball. Yeah, Joe's catching strays right out of the gate. Always. (laughs) Uh, Brantley is back. Brantley is in the lineup today for the Houston Astros. So the return of Michael Brantley is finally here. He's in left field. He's hitting sixth for the Astros. It's almost a perfect lineup. Almost. Except Dusty's playing uh, Dubon and Sinner and not Chaz. So, you know, Dusty's always got to get his one. Uh, but Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, Tucker, Abreu, Brantley, Yiner, Dubon, Pena, with J.P. France on the mound. Astros looking to take the series tonight because they won yesterday in convincing fashion. It, was never, it, was, it wasn't always a blowout. It wasn't a blowout to the very end. The Astros breaking it open against Blair, uh, Bearclaw, who Alex Cora left out to dry. Ooh, My God. Goodness. Uh, but the Astros do get the blowout win over the Red Sox 13-5. to And my biggest takeaway from the, the, the ball game yesterday at Fenway Blankers was that your stars performed like stars. Jose Altuve, the greatest Astro in, in history, one of the best offensive second basemen in this generation, was a star yesterday. Hitting for the first cycle he's ever had in his career. He hit the home run, four ribbies, four runs, four hit night. Not five hits, but four. Four hit night. And then Jordan Alvarez doing something that he hasn't done in a while. Hit a home run. He was joking after the game that he forgot how to run the bases on a home run. He had a four-hit night. He had four RBIs. We've talked like Altuve's been on fire since his return from the injured list. Jordan Alvarez has been a click away. I think Jordan Alvarez might have figured it out. You need Jordan Alvarez if you want to win this division, if you want to make a deep playoff run yet again. And last night in Fenway, one of the you know most historic ballparks in all of baseball, your stars were stars. Yeah, this is what we've been talking about, Jeremy, when we were talking about what this lineup could possibly be. And over the last three games, you're starting to see signs of what we were talking about when we were talking about, hey, look, it's too late in the season to to, 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 to statistically get to a point where 
you rate in the top three or four offenses in the American League or in baseball. But down the stretch, when you start putting together a lineup that now the minute I, I don't have to wait to see him in a uniform, the minute he's been activated, now I can call him Michael Brantley again. But you can add a guy that carries the career batting average and ability with the, the, the bat of Michael Brantley to a lineup that's already extremely potent when they're healthy. And you're starting to reap the benefits and see some of the things this team can actually do. It can be destructive from night to night. They can put up these big numbers and, and kind of avoid kind of the hiccups we've talked about in the past. Well, if they put up a 10 spot or more, they're probably going to be you know unidentified the next night in terms of a batting lineup that scores runs, and they're probably going to have a big drop-off. Now they're putting together numbers. They're putting together hits. They're getting big innings. Crooked numbers are great. And you look at it and go, this could be their calling card going forward while they work everything else out. And I'm okay with it with the amount of talent they have in the lineup. Their offense is is becoming dangerous. And we thought that they had the potential of doing this. We thought that they had the potential of you know, being one of the best offenses in the American League. Because whenever the Astros are clicking, look, they, they got one hit against Detroit. Since then, they've been on fire offensively. Maybe that one hit against Detroit, what even a real hit, is an infield hit. Uh, maybe that's what, what got them going. Like Bregman talked about it after the Game 2 win against Detroit. we got to take everything seriously. Jose Altuve's been great all year. Bregman's been fantastic since the All-Star break. Kyle Tucker might win an MVP if it weren't for Shohei Otani. We know that Jordan Alvarez is one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Chaz McCormick's having a career year. You're getting Michael Brantley back. Yiner Diaz has been one of the best offensive rookies. Jeremy Pena is figuring it out as well. And Jose Abreu almost had a huge game yesterday. Still had a really good game. Homered over the monster. Had a couple of hits. He was like 15 feet away from a second home run and then a double down the line that would have driven in another run. So, like, there are a lot of prospects. I mean, you know, potential. Not necessarily young players. There's a lot of hopeful prospects for the way that this offense is performing. You're getting a little bit of help back. Like this is an offense that can carry you. They they have the talent offensively to win games because of their offense. They had 18 hits again yet last yeah, that's night. That's amazing. And again, from year to year we know the situation changes and you have to adapt. And when you had dominant pitching going back to the Verlander Cole year and and some of the ways that they've been able to dominate previously is different than this year. And now because you're still trying to figure out the rotation and you've taxed your bullpen a lot, the calling and their defense isn't what it used to be. Let's just be honest and call it like it is. Your offense could be not only your calling card, it could be because of it could being the, on a night-to-night basis one of the most dominant offenses in all of baseball. It could be what carries you, and that's great. That's the, the ability to have so much talent you can adapt. And, and I think that that's an encouraging sign for this Astros team going down the stretch to solidify the playoff spot, to try and get to the division title and do the things you expect them to do in the playoffs. The, uh, I saw a number yesterday. I forget exactly what it was. I think it was Chandler Rome that tweeted it as well. Since the return of Jose Altuve from the injured list, they are scoring more runs than everybody in baseball with the exception of the Atlanta Braves. It is start like we all season long too. The Astros have been a team that offensively was not in the top ten. They've been frustrating offensively, whether it's runners in scoring position, you know, whether it's certain players that have had not a great year. I think the biggest thing is injuries. You were without Jose Altuve for a long time. You were without Jordan Alvarez for a long time. You were out without Michael Brantley until today. Jose Abreu's had a stint on the injured list. I think it was injuries more than anything else. And we've talked about it for the course of 130 games. If the Astros can get right health-wise over the final month of the year and then heading into the playoffs, their offensive numbers in 2023 might not jump out the page for, uh, at you, 
but what they're going to fill out in the lineup card in these final 29 games in the postseason, if they're lucky enough to make it, is something that's going to strike fear in the hearts of pitchers around the American League. I was just going to say that. There's no team in baseball that wants to see the Astros probably anyway in the playoffs because of experience, because of what they've done on this run. But when you start being able to put a lineup that is that potent together every single night, albeit Dusty's going to Dusty regular season, you don't think he's going to do it in the playoffs. There's not a manager, a pitching staff, or a team, no matter how confident they might feel, that's going to look across to the other dugout and feel good about going up against that kind of lineup because it can beat you so many ways. There's so much talent in the batter's box, every single hitter, with the exception of Maldi, and you'll deal with it when you know that the rest of the guys in that lineup, now with Pena coming around as well, I mean, where do you find holes Again, if if Chaz is your regular center fielder now, yeah. the only hole you could possibly find is when Maldi's in the lineup. I mean, look at today's lineup. Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, Tucker, Abreu, Brantley, Yiner, Dubon, Pena. I, I rather have Chaz in there than Dubon, but Dubon's actually been hitting the ball pretty yep, good again around, lately. Yeah. So, like, if you're talking about a hole in today's lineup, I really don't see one. Like, that's uh, it's a very, very small nitpick. Rather have Chaz than Dubon. But Dubon's been hitting well. There's not a hole in that lineup. No, like, one not. through nine, there's not an easy out in that lineup. A week ago, we might have pe- uh, pointed at Pena and said, look, he's been struggling. He's been scuffling. They've been moving him around I mean, a little bit. More like but a month ago. He's yeah, been pretty good for about a month. He's really starting to put it together. The multi-hit game started to add, and add up. The five-hit game and then the statistic behind it. Where did you see that? Where Altuve's never had one. And the guys that, cycle? that, that they, no, the five hit game. Oh yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah he never had a cycle till last night right. though, too. Yeah, but I'm just you would think that with the quality of hitters in this lineup and that this team has had uh, has, I would think that there was a guy that's had a five hit before. But Pena again showing you that when he feels comfortable and he gets back to just relaxing, being himself, he can be a key cog and, and, and do some things offensively too. That's what has me most excited about this ball club. As much as they're working things out with the starters. The fact that you can be dominant offensively, it's going to be more fun to watch, and there's not a team in the league that wants to face you. We've, we've been critical of Jose Abreu this season, which, I mean, rightfully so. Jose Abreu's not had a good season. But Jose Abreu, since he's come off the injured list, and this is a very small sample mm-hmm. size, he's only played four games since he come off the injured list, but he's hit safely in three of the four. He's had multi-hit games in two of the four, and again, it's a very small sample. It's less than 20 plate appearances, but it's a guy that has a 294 average in those four games, 898 OPS. And I'm not even, I don't want Abreu to have a 900. I would love if he had a 900 OPS, but I would take a 750 OPS from Abreu. I would take an 800 OPS from Abreu. Look, Maybe, like, since we're just being overly optimistic with the Astros, rightfully so, because their offense crushed again for the third day in a row because Michael Brantley is finally back on August 29th. But what if Jose Abreu's elements were the back this whole time and this little stint on the injured list gets him going to where he's playing at 80% of the baseball card, 85% of the baseball card? Like, there's a lot to be optimistic about right now with the Houston Astros offense specifically. 713-780-ESPN, our HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5, at Joe George on radio, at Joe George Radio, at Pac-Man Joel. I'm Jeremy Branham. A little bit later in the show cash it or trash it texans at four of course and it is also cut day in the nfl takes the texans and nick casario a will and dylan son of a gun but when we return look the offense great again third day in a row there was another trend that continued last night at fenway that's not as positive christian javier is broken 
Why is Christian Javier broken? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Look, you've been struggling to try to find a way to lose weight. You can't find time for the gym, or maybe you're just not interested. You don't think there's any solution. Well, now there is. FDA-approved semi-glutide is available. It's available at all three locations for Apollo Men's Health. They got two near downtown Houston. They got one in League City. They're here to help. And if you get some semi-glutide and and they can walk you through exactly how it works, you can lose up to six pounds in a week. When you start doing the math and figuring out that that could be a game changer for you if you truly need to shed some pounds, that's something you consider, and that's why you go talk to the people at Apollo Men's Health. They're game changers for you on a daily basis. They can get more energy in your life. They can get you into a workout program and figure out how to recover quicker or how to increase your gains how to balance your numbers by watching a full body composition analysis and seeing all the numbers and making sure they make sense. They take care of their customers. Go to ApolloMH.com right now. See all the services they offer. If there's a few that interest you, sign up for an appointment right there online. You're going to find out most major insurance is accepted and there's discounts for military personnel and first responders. More so than anything else, you're going to find out they care about their patients. So they're going to, you're going to go in. They're going to ask you some questions. What's bothering you? Where do you feel like you're lacking? From the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom, if you have questions, they have answers and they're going to get you on a program that works. I believe in these people. They're great people doing great things on a daily basis. I encourage you to drop my name, Joel Blank, when you go there free B12 shot, or a body composition analysis on your first official visit. But then let the process go from there. Ask your questions, get your answers, and get on a program that can actually make sense and get your results. Good people, great videos. Yeah, we won't stalk you. Uh, Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, I'm as excited for tonight's Astro game like I was for opening day. Finally looks like a playoff lineup, just missing Chaz. Look, I think we need to temper the expectations for Michael Brantley returning from major shoulder surgery at his age. But look, it's an upgrade what you're going to put out there every single night. It's an upgrade over, hate to say it, go Cougs, Corey Jolks, who got sent down because of this uh, because to create space for Brantley. It's better than Jake Myers against right-handed pitching. So it's an upgrade. I don't think you should expect Michael Brantley to be Michael Brantley pre-shoulder surgery, but something that should help your everyday, eh, I don't think he's going to play every day, but should help your starting nine when he does play. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it would be unfair to the situation, to Brantley, to everybody involved, if you expected him to do what he was doing in Sugarland, Because he's still got to get accustomed to major league pitching again, which is better than AAA pitching. But it's encouraging. The fact that you know that not only, we kept hearing help is on the way from Bagwell since opening day, but the fact that now help is literally on the way and it could possibly be yet another boost for this lineup, for this team that really is is stocking up quite an offensively potent lineup from day to day is extremely exciting because even if he doesn't play every day, now you have better options. You have better insurance policies. You have the kind of things that they've talked about in the last couple of years about trying to have depth and make sure they always have guys in case an injury happens. It took you a while, but you know what the best thing about this was? While these guys were injured, that some of them, which you were mentioning last segment, the fact is is that we found out there were guys that were dudes that could step up, that could do the things that Dubon did and Chaz did and, and other guys when their name was called like J.P. France did. You know that this team is now a deeper team than it maybe was at the start of the season. There was more answers than questions in terms of the roster now. And you feel like this team just has to get in and it should have a fighting chance to do the same kind of things that they've done for the last six plus years of at least competing in every series to compete for another ALCS and more. 713-780-3776. 
The negative from yesterday's game was another poor start from Christian Javier. Four runs, six hits, four innings. He walked six in those four innings. He allowed 12 base runners in those four innings, and he struck out four. I thought it was a little better for Javier yesterday than it was two starts ago. Like, at least he struck out a guy per inning. Like, the stuff kind of looked there. Uh, I thought the first inning was super annoying. Like, you get the first two dudes yeah. out, you give up the base. Actually, you walk a guy, and then you have a little comebacker that you should field. You're out of the inning, and then all of a sudden, boom, home run, or double down the line, not the way you wanted to get started. Um, but this has just been a trend for Christian Javier. He's been poor. He's been broken. Why? Is Christian Javier broken? It's a great question because, you know, you locked him up first of the, you know, when you were looking at the pitchers and Fromber and everything else, and you got this guy locked up, so he's going to be here, and you just have to scratch your temple and start wondering what the heck has happened between the run that he was on, the historic no-hitter in the World Series, everything that he did, no matter how his number was called a year ago, and then throughout the playoffs, bullpen or starter, and you just figured, and I said at the start of the year, I thought this was a guy that might be a sleeper for Cy Young when he gets a full season of starts under his belt and continues to do the things he's capable of doing. The control's driving me nuts. It's one thing to say he's just not a really good fielder. There's there's issues. We saw the throwing error uh, one of previously in one of his last two starts where he completely was trying to throw to Bregman, shouldn't have even thrown the ball and threw it into left field. But the, the control issues drive me nuts. The fact that you know he's got good above-average stuff, but the fact that he can't harness it in right now, and I don't know how you fix something like that until maybe you have a full offseason and you maybe have to kind of redo some of the things in your delivery release point and other things. I have a, I have a theory, and I kind of dug into this quite a bit because why is Javier pitching bad? A lot of people would point to the velo. The velo is down one mile per hour, which isn't super significant. Like one miles per hour is, is you know, it's the, you're, you, this is a game where it's won and lost on the margins, but one mile per hour is not a massive difference. The spin rate is not nearly as good this year as it was last year. He's not getting the whiff on fastballs like he was a year ago, although it's not that big of a drop-off. It's like 1-2%. Very, very small. The slider whiff percentage is actually massive. It's actually a huge jump. So perhaps it's both pitches. Uh, the velo, the sharpness, the break on both, the spin on both haven't been all that good. I honestly thought it'd be the command as well, but you go look at his walk rate this year versus last year, it's strikingly similar. It's not a, There's not a very big difference at all. Not getting the swing and miss with really his slider more than his fastball, which also surprised me. He's never really been a volume strike thrower. Like, even whenever he's pitching well, he's not a guy that's going to sit there and pound the strike zone. So that's why his walk rate isn't a whole lot. My theory on Christian Javier is that I think he might be a casualty of the pitch clock. And I, there's several reasons I think this. I went back and watched some of Christian Javier in the World Series last year. Half of the pitches that Christian Javier thrown in that threw in that game would have been a pitch clock violation. It increases Half? to about yes, fifty fifty. It increases to about seventy five percent in like critical situations, like runners on base, you know, two strike counts, three ball counts, like outside of your routine. Like here's the first pitch to a batter in a critical situations, a little higher leverage than just you know nobody on base, leadoff guy to an inning. It increased to about sixty five percent of how many pitch clock violations Christian Javier would ha would have. And people would, would look at the velo, they look at the spin. Well, if a guy's tired, you know you're going to have some slippage in velo, and you know you're going to have some slippage in terms of the way your ball's moving, your spin, your, the, as they say. 
The other thing is, and somebody actually DM'd me this at the very start of the season, and, and quite honestly, I didn't pay it any mind back then because I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in this. I'll, I'll store it away in the back of my mind. If it rears its ugly head, it, it's something that I'll pay attention to when I need to pay attention to. Does Javier look a little heavier to you guys this year versus last year? Does Javier look about 10 pounds heavier than he did a year ago? I think it's very obvious. Go Google 2022 Christian Javier, 2023 Christian Javier, and I think it's easy to see an extra 10 pounds on Christian Javier. So now you added the pitch clock. You're a little bit heavier than you were a year ago, and you're having to pitch in 15 seconds when there's nobody on base, 20 seconds when there are people on base. I think that the pitch clock is affecting Christian Javier. He was somebody that used to work a lot slower. He was somebody that was in better shape a year ago. And I think that the volume of a bunch of pitches last year in the playoffs, the WBC, being in the rotation, every turn through the rotation, takes its toll as we get to the middle part of the year, as we get to the later part of the year. Because he was fine start of the season. First five starts, he was fine. He was good. But now we're starting to see it take its toll. I think that the pitch clock's affecting Christian Javier. I think it's quite possible. I hadn't really paid any attention to that. I don't know. I'm not going to Steve Stone and Lan- on Lance Lynn anything about salads or anything like that. But I think that the point that you make is valid in the fact that, you know, having played the position at a lot, lot lower level, but I, I do realize that a lot of times when you feel rushed at anything, you're going you're gonna to have a different outcome because if you can't set yourself, and especially if you tie into the fact that maybe he's not in the best shape, the, 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 the combination is a little more huff and puff and you're not going to have your best stuff. And the fact is, is when you're rushed, now you're not really computing in your mind and setting yourself up mentally for what you have to do physically every time you throw the baseball. I think that combo platter alone could be a recipe for some of the problems he's having. I just, I didn't realize the numbers that you just gave about the, the walks being similar. To me, it's the walks and the way that he's walked, the pitch count. The fact that he's he's nitpicking all over the place. And we talked about this when you mentioned that Fromber maybe had a, a conscious effort to do that in his last start in the no-hitter where he, you know, he was actually able to like nibble more and not get hit so hard. I don't have an answer for Javier. I just know that the walks are a lot less competitive pitches and his pitch count is getting up way too quickly and that might factor in but what you're saying also makes sense. Yeah, I mean he he was that last year though. Like if you look where Christian Javier's been in terms of like walk rate, he was right there last year with where he's at this year. Last year he was 8.9% walk rate, 9.1% this year. That's not significant. That that's that's the same. Like that that's very, I didn't very similar. That, but the fact that there's more pitches in those at bat, those walks too seems to me that is something that is a problem. I mean, I think he was. I think he's been this guy though. He's not. He's never been a guy who pitches into the eighth inning. He's a guy that uses a lot of pitches to get through his starts because he's a high walk guy. He's a high strikeout guy. He's always been a high walk guy. He's always been a high strikeout guy. Why did? Why did he? Why is he lost? A mile on his fastball. Why is he? Why is his stuff flatter? Why is his spin not as good? I think it's because he's a little bit tired. I think it's because he's rushing a little bit. Because everything else is pretty much the same in terms of his stuff. It's not nearly as good as it was a year ago. It's not as crisp as it was a year ago. And I'm not trying to body shame Christian Javier, 
But now in an era where you have to rush a pitch, where you have to hurry a pitch, John Smoltz talked about this on the broadcast that he had at the Astros the last time he did the broadcast. He thinks that you're going to see pitchers start running more to be in better shape because it's more of a conditioned position now than it has ever been. Never in the past did you you have to throw a pitch within 20 seconds with with, uh, people on base, 15 seconds with nobody on base. You used to have as much time as you wanted. And Christian Javier has been a notorious slow worker. Takes his time, especially in critical pitches. So now that there's a pitch timer, I don't think he's in nearly as good shape this year as he was last year. As pitchers I'm looking at right now, he's got a little bit of belly. And if there's anybody that knows about weight gain, it is me. I know all about weight gain. I can tell you everything you need to know about gaining some fat because I live it, baby. Christian Javier is having trouble with the pitch clock. That's the difference. That's why he's not as fine as he was a year ago. It's why he's lost a mile per hour. It's why his pitches are a little flatter. It's why his spin's not as good. He's out of shape. We talked about it with Alec Manoa as well. Why is Alec Manoa last year a Cy Young contender, and this year he can't even pitch for their AAA club? Because he struggles with the pitch clock. Well, it's a combination, like you said. I mean, if you take bigger guys, and that's the case. It's funny to me because when we talked about this previously, when I would give... You know, when I would think about who's slow and who took their time, I thought Fromber was extremely deliberate. Fromber would, to me, head and shoulders was the most deliberate guy Fromber, on the staff. Fromber would get in rhythms, though, where he worked quick. And I think Fromber's actually a, qu- a casualty of the pitch clock, too. Because when Fromber's working, like, when Fromber's in a groove, he works quick. When Fromber's pitching well, he works quick. When Fromber's throwing a no-hitter, he's working quick. When does Fromber take his time? When there's people on base. When he gives up a couple of hits back-to-back. Or and something you'll notice, happens. Like, sure, you know, an happens. error or something. You know, how we said we That's could a lose him but whenever Fromber and like if you look at Fromber's starts this year, like look at Fromber's blow up innings. I think he is a pitch clock casualty when there's runners on base, when things happen, when there's action, when there's activity, when he has to log a lot of pitches in a particular inning. Because Fromber, when he throws twelve pitches in an inning, he's fine. But Fromber gives up a couple of hits, maybe that inning becomes a little long, maybe Fromber gets a little bit fatigued. I think it's affecting Fromber as well. It's why it's happened kind of later in the year versus early in the year. But Christian Javier, man. Look, you go back to look at his pitches last year. Slow worker. He's gained a few pounds. His stuff is flatter. He's not throwing as hard. I think he's fatigued. I think he needs to, to find a little bit of a you know, a running program in the offseason. And I bet you he does. I bet you in the offseason we hear Christian Javier is running a lot. I bet you opening day next year, Christian Javier is a little lighter on his feet. 713-780-ESPN. Am I uh, blowing hot air here? 713-780-3776. The HRP listener line. Yesterday, your stars were stars. Altuve, Jordan, and Michael Brantley is back today. What has you excited about the Houston Astros here over the final 29? Also, other things that happened yesterday at Fenway that we have to get to, like, thank goodness Alex Cora is not the manager of the Astros. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, guys, it's football season. We all know it, and it's right around the corner. College football already started. Pro football getting ready to kick off. And what you want to do is be able to make every game more interesting. I need you to remember this code, BET975. Because what you go to when you go to mybookie.ag, if you know that code and you use it, you can get more money in your account than you put in your deposit, and you can have more money in your account, which means more games you can bet on and more chances to win. And, man, when they win, they're going to pay it. When you win, they're going to pay out because they take care of you at mybookie.ag. It's why I tell you it's the only place you should go to bet, whether you're betting on college and pro football, whether you're looking to put some money on some soccer or, or maybe some other UFC or other events. You can do it right there at mybookie.ag. They also offer live dealers, dealing blackjack, live casino games. You're going to love that, too, because we know that sometimes you don't have the time to get to Vegas or Louisiana or other spots to get to a casino. Now, 
you don't have to worry about that, and you can still get your fix, get money on games, and have a chance to cash in. Remember that promo code, BET975. It's important because it can get you those bonuses that put more money in your account and give you more chances to win. It's like I tell you all the time, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I'll tell you to do it, mybookie.ag. 97.5 and 92.5. Have I lost my mind? Am I fat-shaming Christian Javier? Am I on to something? Am I just a hot take artist? What do you think here, Joe George? I think he looks a little chonky. It's a little chon- I just tweeted a picture at Jeremy Branham. Looks looks about 10 pounds heavy. And I know what 10 pounds heavy looks like. I know what 25 pounds heavy looks like. I look at it every single day. I look at myself in the mirror. I say, yeah, it looks like it looks 25 pounds heavier. I've been adding 10 pounds a year for the last 10 years of my life. I know all about this. I am an expert. When it means gaining a little extra around the belly. It would be interesting, some of the guys of the past, that carried a little excess. They, you know, they, their opinion means nothing. You know why? Because they never pitched with the pitch clock. That's, that's what I was going to say. Well, it didn't sound like it. Okay. <laughs> what I was trying to, Because it's frustrating. Because I hadn't, I hadn't even got into it to say it would have been... Because it would be interesting to see a Bartolo Colon or some of these guys that carried a little extra... And have to adjust to the pitch clock because it is such a drastic uh, adjustment. Because it's guys that have pitched a certain way, literally for a lot of these guys, their whole life. And now, and with a little, some of the guys in the minors that got a little taste of it a year ago, then maybe they, they already knew what was coming. But it has to be a major adjustment because, you know, being out there and knowing that every situation, when we talk high leverage, guys handle it differently. And, and some guys just want to get back, toe the rubber, and, and start, you know, drilling down and going and getting guys. And other guys kind of need to hit the restart button a little bit and refocus and settle themselves down. And I bet it would be something to look at in terms of how many guys that were a little thicker, that pitched a little longer in their career, how they would have been able to, or if they could have been able to adjust to that. 1509 says CC Sabathia said he needed to be fat. Uh, I think Sabathia's talking about Sabathia there. That's not a say he said that Javier needed to be fat. But that was a different age, and I thought that's where you were going there. Like it's a like CC Sabathia has zero experience of pitching with a pitch clock and being somebody who was a little heavier sized. And this isn't a fat shame. This like we do this in football, right? Like we do this with Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green's gonna be a topic of discussion today because I think he's just I don't think he's gonna make the fifty three man roster. I think he's gonna be on the pup list. And the Texans are trading for a bunch of offensive linemen because they don't have any depth there. Like we talk about Kenyon Green in the offseason being a little heavy, not conditioned, don't think he's ready to play left guard in the NFL right away. We do it in the NBA. James Harden has the little fat suit on. Well, I'm not sure James Harden can give you 35, 36 minutes. We've never done that with pitchers before, and that is all changing because this is a new age of Major League Baseball where you need to be conditioned because there is a pitch clock. You're being timed to throw a baseball at a very high level to try to get Major League Baseball hitters out. Conditioning now matters at the position for the first more. It, it, it's always mattered, but it matters now more than it's ever mattered before. Yeah, I mean that. That's when you look at guys that were successful and how long they were successful, and they didn't look like you know the finest tuned athletes on the planet. But they did something very well. They had a skill that they were they that they were able to master their craft enough that they got guys out. But now it's a, it could be a complete position changer in a lot of ways for a lot of guys because of the fact that you now have to have some cardiovascular that, may, that means something. You, whether you gained a little weight or not, but that factors in as well. But if you're carrying a little extra, it also can affect things when you're rushing through. It could change your release point. It could be more t- uh, taxing on your elbow or your legs. 
And when, you know, the one thing that a pitcher always has to do, and a lot of people that are just kind of lame into the game don't realize is your legs are as important as your arm for your endurance and the amount of running that you have to do between starts and, and, and to, to really make sure that you keep your endurance was one thing. And a lot of guys probably didn't have to do it as much, and we saw that. But now the pitch clock and everything else means they might have to change everything about what they do off season and, and into the season. Seven five nine seven. He got paid and got fat. That's mean. Uh, eight eight seven five. A four pitch walk that irritates me as much as chili dip in a green side wedge. Those things are on par to me. Pardon the pun. Uh, four. I hate four pitch walks. And, and that was to your point about Christian Javier earlier. Now Christian Javier again has never been known for his command. His walk rate's very similar this year than it was last year. It's almost identical. It does feel like he's more non-competitive, though. It does feel like he's missing three feet high instead of a pitch that might have used to be one foot high. And maybe that's why the chase rate is down, because these hitters are knowing that Javier is not only going to miss, but he's going to miss badly. I think that does come into play. I think something else that comes into play with Javier is whenever he's behind and counts, these guys are teeing off on him. I pulled the numbers of Christian Javier this year in pitcher-favored counts. Christian Javier is still really good. Christian Javier, when he's behind in the count, is horrific. So in terms of like just the strategy of pitching Christian Javier, and this is the case for everybody, right? Christian Javier is getting crushed from being behind in counts. Yeah, and I think the competitive pitches that we always talk about is an issue. I think that in the past, his pitches were competitive even when he was going to intentionally miss the zone or he was trying to nibble a little bit. But now a hitter sees it come out of his hands and he knows it's going to be, instead of a rising-looking fastball in appearance, it, you, it comes out of his hands and you, you already know. I'm, I'm not, I don't, nothing I need to do on that. It was one thing if he was making really competitive pitches and guys were spitting on him and fouling him off and making contact because they're major league hitters. They're really good at what they do too. But the fact that a lot of guys lay off a lot of pitches because they know it's not going to be anywhere near the zone is what I've been frustrated with because I see his pitch count and I go, okay, whether I knew that the stats like you did or about how many, the walks being similar, it's the way he's walking guys. And the fact that his, his pitches are just a lot of times not competitive, you see a lot of that high fastball that's so high up over the zone that guys are going, I don't need to even they're worry about it. that. They're, they're spitting on his stuff more than it was a year ago. Like, everything that can go wrong for Javier is going wrong. Fastball is a little bit less fast. It's not spinning as much. Slider's not spinning as much. He's walking slightly more. He's not getting the swing and miss like he used to get. He's missing badly uh, as opposed to used to missing barely, maybe. He's getting behind counts. He's working with the pitch clock. He's a little heavier than he was. Everything has gone wrong for Christian Javier over the last two months of the season. Hopefully, he can uh, he can get over this, but... It's kind of late in the season to fix it all this quickly. Uh, Jose Abreu, really good yesterday. He hit the home run. He had that foul ball down the left field line that would have driven in a run if it stayed fair, missed it by like two inches, and then he, he hit another homer, but foul. That was cool to see. Uh, our favorite bro, Chaz McCormick, doing a very Chaz McCormick thing. How about that head first slide into first base by Chaz McCormick? If, you, if I told you, Blankers, before the game that there's going to be a Houston Astro in the lineup today that slides head first, who would you have picked? It's pretty much Chaz McCormick. <laughs> Me too. It is. I mean, look, I would, I would like to include Jake in that mix, but I don't think Jake has the wherewithal sometimes to even think that fast on something like that. He just knows get to point from point A to point B as fast as he could and, and put his head down. But, yeah, Chaz is going to Chaz. We know it. it the Abreu homer, the, the, the almost homer that you mentioned, was the one that I thought, oh, my goodness, because he, he made great contact again, and that thing just got, you know, was tailing enough. But that was, you know, obviously it's left field at Fenway, but that was upper deck sh uh, shot type distance where he hit it. 
I'm feeling pretty good about the way he's swinging the bat right now. We, we, we mentioned right when he came back, he looked a little bit springier. And look, four games since the, the return from the injured list, he has been a little bit better. He's, been, he's actually been a lot better. Hopefully he continues and it's not a, uh, a victim of small sample size. This is very small, very nitpicky, but I don't like this. Uh, I like the slash play blankers. I, I like the show bunt, pull the bat back, swing away. I don't like it when it's Martin Maldonado. As a matter of fact, he would probably be the single player in baseball that I would choose as the worst hitter to have in the box when you're trying to execute a slash play. I also like the play. We used it in college. I used it as long as I've been playing baseball. Coaches used it, and it's very effective, especially when you saw the corners really over-exaggerate rating when they were coming in on the bunt, knowing that it's Maldi, that's all he's going to do. But he doesn't have the back control. He doesn't have the ability to do what a lot of hitters with their quick wrists and their quick twitch and their ability to kind of you know adapt on the fly and get back quick and just get the barrel on it and punch it down on the ground somewhere. And so that was disturbing to me. Otherwise, I'm with you. I like the slash play, and I've always had it on teams that I've played on that it's been a big deal. And I think it can be very effective, but I think that when you're talking about a contact hitter, you're talking about a guy that no matter what, whether they make outs or not, like they could, I think Singleton's a guy that I believe could be a guy that could basically fake a bunt, pull it back, and still could make some contact for a bigger guy. But yeah. Maldi's not that guy. Yeah, I like contact guys in that spot. So I wouldn't be a Singleton guy in that spot, but Maldi's even worse. I like his eye at the plate, and I know that you know if he could shorten up, I think his, he's got enough bat strength or quickness to where I think he could punch it. Yeah, he doesn't have great contact, though. Well, yeah, Dubon's a guy I would believe in that could do sure. something like that. Really you know, guys like that. Five zero three eight, and this is the uh, the bear claw that we got to get to because Alex Cora is a moron. He goes, I don't know what bear claw did, but that was uh, absolutely brutal treatment by Alex Cora. He must have told him to turn the music down. Well played, Eric the driver. He's alluding to the Love time it. where Jeff Blum told Alex Cora to turn the music down, and Alex Cora wanted to fight Jeff Blum as soon as they got off the team charter. I thought that was managerial malpractice. Completely. I, I get like mopping up the game. Like when it's said and done, I understand long guy mop up the game. But when the Astros scored six runs in the sixth inning, the Red Sox were winning. The Red Sox were winning were winning the game entering the sixth when Bear Claw came in. When you saw what was going down and then you literally saw players on the field in Red Sox uniforms looking at the <laughs> bullpen and wondering what the heck is going on, it's not like you're just going through the motions to finish off a season. You still are within range of getting a playoff spot. Every game needs to matter in the final 30, 31 plus. And the fact that he did what he did last night might change the perception a lot of people both in the organization, in that clubhouse, and certainly in the stands as fans feel about Alex Cora because that was a that was a boneheaded decision and that was ridiculous and the fact that it kept getting worse and then you're like he might throw him out there again the next inning and he did it's like you just essentially took the L right there and said we're good with it we'll live to see another day why it was kind of weird because he kind of pitched himself into being a mop-up situation but it was not a mop-up situation at all when that whole thing started. By the end of it, it was like, yeah, you might as well just leave him in the game now because you've already blown it. So you might as well just hang him out to dry even more. But the start of that, man, that was bad. Another manager that's uh, worse than Dusty Baker. There's a lot of those, actually. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. What's a better, cooler achievement? Throwing a no-hitter or hitting for the cycle? 
713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. What's cooler? What's a better feat? He's blank on Branham. Throwing a no-hitter, hitting for the cycle. I I honestly think, to me, it's always been the no-hitter. Because... Because you were a pitcher. No, it's it, it really... I mean, look, and I played center field. I played outfield, too. But, but my big thing to, in terms of the mental and the physical and all that goes into it and the endurance of doing all of it, when you think of, you know, if you get a multi-hit game, but you know what you're, where you're at, you can make it happen by turning a double into a single or stretch, you know, vice versa, trying to stretch and do some things to kind of manipulate the achievement. Both are, are amazing achievements. I just think the no-hitter when it comes down to, and we know the old bet, baseball adage of not talking to anybody and no one says it to you and no one mentions it, but the fact is, mentally, what you have to go through and how that adds a more taxing effect to it. And then, from an endurance standpoint, your arm's going to run out of juice at some point. Not everybody can be fromber and keep a pitch count in the low 90s and throw a, a no-no. That I think that, to me, it's a, it's, it, it's a tougher achievement for the no-hitter. Where do you, you stand on this, Joe? Cooler to uh, throw a no-hitter or hit for the cycle? I'm going to go cycle. I just think that, you know, if you just go off Astros history, it's way harder to get it. You know, the last one was in 2013. Brandon Barnes. There's been, what, five or six no-hitters since 2015 for the Astros. So it's just like, it seems more common. And, like, you're really, I know, like, you kind of usually need, like, the ball to bounce your way a little bit for the triple. But for the most part, you're singularly relying on yourself. Where for a no-hitter, Jeremy Pena can make a play that, you know, gets it done. You need Abraham Toro to hit a home run to make sure that your team wins the game so you can get a no-hitter for, like, Justin Verlander. So it's mm-hmm. like you have other people kind of helping you. So it's like this, this, the cycle, but is it, it's But it's isn't it a little you. more luck than skill when you're trying to figure out a, a quirky bounce for, for a triple? I think Definitely. it's equal. I think it's equal. I think, I think it's equal. Like, you got to be a little bit lucky for either one. I mean, we always say that there's a one defensive play that stands oh, out always, that saves yeah. a no-no at, at some point. The triple. See, you're selfish. I see that you're selfish here, Joe George, because you want to do all of the individual things as opposed to the team aspect of the game. That's why you like cycles more. Uh, you also have blinders on here by only looking at recent Astros history as opposed to, oh, I don't know, baseball history know, where there's been fewer no-hitters than cycles, 332 no-hitters, 344 cycles. Also, oh, had, by six. Also... <laughs> Your math is awful there. It's 12. Uh, well, I guess I misheard you. <laughs> and, then, and then finally here, Joe George, finally here, Joe George, has there ever been a movie made about a guy hitting for a cycle? No. 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 Like Hollywood is telling you that it's better. Now, it was a perfect game and for love of the game, but there's never been a movie for a cycle. Here's another thing, and Blanker's kind of got onto this. Like, both are really, really cool. Like, we're, we're, we're trying to, like, say which one is less cool. I think a no-hitter is better than a cycle if you didn't already kind of catch the drift there. But Blanker's touched on this. I think cycles are, are slightly, very, 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 very slightly overrated. If you're a home run away, if you're, let's say you're a double away from the cycle. You're a double away from the cycle. And you pull a Craig Biggio and turn a triple into a double. Or, like Blanker's was saying, you're a single away from, uh, from a cycle. All of a sudden, ball in the gap, you just stay put at first base. Or, this has never been done, but what if you were a triple away from a, from a cycle? You hit your second home run of the game, and instead of rounding third and coming to touch the play, 
late, you round third and head straight into the dugout. Congratulations, you have a cycle. I don't think Cycles are (laughs) Absolutely, it's legal. Do you not remember Robin Ventura's grand slam? That was a single in the postseason when they mobbed him, rounding first base. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is the technicality of the rule. Also, you could be Jose Altuve and be so excited for the triple that you fall on your face. Yeah. No, the cycle is really, really cool. And it's not to like besmirk a cycle, although it definitely sounds like I'm doing that. You are. But, but give me the no hitter before the cycle. You know, the thing that I thought about too, when you think about the fact that you could hit a ball into the corner, but just pull up and, and take the single is like Ricky Davis, the, the triple double. When you go and you throw it off your own backboard and you get the rebound. Like to me, it's just, I think that's what really diminishes it. Like if you just legitimately get the single, double, triple home run, and, and you're not relying on any of that kind of crap, it's still an unbelievably cool accomplishment. <laughs> but I I always go back to guys that got triple doubles by throwing the ball off the glass in the, on their own basket yeah. or something and got a rebound Seth going. Hadden. Yeah, that, that's like pulling up lame or pretending to pull up lame on a du- clear-cut double to get a single. Two one two eight fires through two no hitters can't be that great. I love the response there, even if I don't disagree. He it's a two? great – yeah, pretty sure he did. He threw, one, he threw with, one with the Astros. I didn't know he threw another one. Not Milwaukee. I think he might have thrown two with the Astros. Did he? I, I believe that he I, – I want to say he threw two with the Astros. But wow. I, I'm pretty sure he threw two in his career. Man, I would maybe have never was, guessed that. Maybe it wasn't with both in the with the Astros, but I think. Uh, 6002 Ponder. Both are hard, but the no-no takes nine innings of focus and execution. The cycle only requires four good at-bats. Here's another thing, too, the suspense. The suspense of the no-hitter is way better than the suspense of the, of the cycle. I was watching yesterday's game on the DVR. I was doing some work you know, to, to try to catch up with either our show or another show that I have later today. I'll be completely honest with you. I'll be completely honest. I have no problem admitting this. I had no idea Jose Altuve needed a home run for the cycle. I had I'm no clue. You. I was dealing with a bunch of other stuff, too, and at that point it was such a blowout that I really yeah. I, I was only half-assed in watching the game. I was recording it, Same. but I was like, I, it's over. I they, saw it They happen. got bear claw throwing up big yeah. numbers. I was done. I had the volume down really, really low, listening to other things. I was doing work. I had the game up. And it was on DVR, so I wasn't keeping up with Twitter. If I was keeping up with Twitter, there's of course I would have known that he was a cycle away. I had no idea that he was a home run away from the cycle. And he hits the home run, and they're all like going nuts. They hit for the cycle. I was like, oh, okay. But I would have known if it was a no-hitter. But no doubt, the suspense is better in a no-hitter than it is a cycle. And to your guys' point, literally a week ago, Gunnar Henderson for the Orioles, he had a shot at a cycle. He got All he needed was the single, but he hit a ball into the gap. And he went to second. That's he, right. And he passed on the cycle. You can't. There's not. Yeah, he got a, he got heat from the bull. I mean, yeah. from the dugout too. The, but they shouldn't. They should have been applauding him. Yeah. They should have gotten money in kangaroo court. There is not an equivalent for that situation in a no hitter. There's not. There's not like maybe an intentional walk so you don't have to face a really good hitter. Although that really never happens. Like like giving up the perfect game like, for you a no hitter. Or I guess. maybe or maybe you had a walk like in the second inning. And then you have like a two base error in the ninth, and you walk Shohei Otani to face you know David whoever like you know whatever whoever hits behind Shohei Otani. So like there's very quirky yeah. situations where that could happen, but not really. Now, and the other thing is you'll never see this in baseball, but we saw it in basketball when guys started doing that cheesy kind of stuff to make sure they got triple doubles. <laughs> yeah. The league came in after the fact and said, "No more, we'll take it away from you. We're taking the rebound away because that was BS." <laughs> the league won't do that, but there are ways that you can still be BS and get to. 
into a cycle. Lamont, uh, I mean, it's still really cool because you still get on base four times in that game, and one of them has to be a homer, one of them has to be a triple-double. So you still had a really productive game. But give me the no-hitter. Lamont says throwing a no-hitter is 100 times better than a cycle, but it's still cool. What I don't like is when someone goes and finds some obscure baseball thingy like quality games that Houston jumped on last year with Fromber. I, I don't think that that stat is very significant. I agree with Lamont. i rather my pitcher have a quality game than not have a quality game, but it's super reachy is like this monumental stat. I think the Astros are being really cheesy about one particular stat right now that we'll get to and cash it or trash it. A little I, bit later. I, I, I'm going back. I've got receipts on Lamont. He said that he loved the freaking quality start thing last year. He Did was he? all over it. Yeah, he was all over it. He wanted one of the T-shirts from Fromber. I think it was about the time my wife and I were celebrating our anniversary or something. But I, I, I haven't notated. You I'm have going a back really to good memory. A little worrisome. I'm, I'm, I'm mocking <laughs> Lamont for a tweet I got last night from oh, him. So yeah. I missed that. Eric the yeah. Driver says, Cycle is cooler. No-no is harder. I don't know, man. I don't know. James says, Something that takes nine innings to accomplish versus four at-bats in one game. Gotta go. No-hitter. Seems like you're outvoted here, Joe. You're voted off the island. That's fine. I'll stay it alone. Key from no. L.A. The cycle and no-hitter oh, no. won't mean anything if you guys don't make the playoffs. Sick burn there, Key. Yeah, key, key, key's hunting no <laughs> probation again because key, he's on his hot take. He's desperate right now, man. My yeah. good. Deke's, Deke's, uh, Deke. Key is right now seeking attention from the Killer Bees. 713-780-ESPN. Caleb says Fire's second no-hitter was with Oakland after he left Houston. Okay, that's what I thought. Really? I, I thought he threw one with another team and had well, actually, one with they the were, Astros. I look at the A's now, too, the single A's, as you call them, but the, the, that, there was a time there when he was with the A's, even though he wouldn't pitch against the Astros, but he was pitching for a really good ball team. Yeah, here's um. Yeah, I mean the A's were okay for a little Olsen while. The A's had some, and, uh, they had some dudes, Chapman and all those guys. Semyon, yeah. Two one two eight. What's better, a run of the mill no hitter or a twenty k one hitter like Kerry Woods? Twenty k no one hitter like Kerry Woods. I was going to say is a more cycle, dominant game. Yeah, because I was trying to think of something a little bit more like skill based in terms of the like a three home run game. A three-home run game in Major League Baseball. I'll take or, that over or, the cycle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I think I'd take that over the no-hitter. But then I got to take that's the cycle. That's so tough when you think about that. I, I think that's a harder and, and greater accomplishment than a, than a cycle. Well, three bombs in a game. Pancho said uh, the two grand slams in one game. Oh, yeah. That's Remember, very rare. Fernando Tatis did it in, 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 in an inning. In yeah. an inning. Yeah, awesome. sure did. I forgot Joe, about that. Joe Buck lost his mind. He senior. Did. That was Not so junior. Cool. It, senior. Yeah. But right? it, was, it was the baby Joe Buck. Yeah, but I'm it saying, was, but yeah. I'm saying, Tatis, was Tatis senior, senior, not junior. Yeah, yeah, it was with the Cardinals. I want to say, just to nerd out on you a second, I want to say, you're familiar with game score at all for a pitcher? Like, there's some algorithm so. that calculates your game score based on your performance. I want to say that Kerry Wood, 20 strikeout game, one hitter, was the most dominant game pitched in Major League Baseball history. Hmm. So give me that one. 713 780 ESPN, cut day in the NFL. And of course, Texans at four as we count you down to week one of the NFL season. Just nine shows 